The revolution won't just be televised. It'll come complete with a catchphrase, a logo, social media advisors with 15 viral non-campaigns under their belts, an official t-shirt, three different kinds of mug, and a bumper sticker that yells out, down with capitalism. At least that's what can be expected. Not selling the revolution is a difficult thing to do in a society in which not selling anything is nigh on impossible. This is definitely the odd issue Bernie Sanders faced in the 2015 Democratic primary. Where exactly is the line between pitching a socialist revolution in the United States and selling merchandise with the outline of your hair on them? And can one do both? It turns out that, at least for now, Sanders' revolution will have to wait. In the meantime, he will have to make do with the millions his revolution has made him. If any one thing nailed the balance between revolutionary rhetoric and selling branded t-shirts, it's a peculiar French musical based on a dusty tome that goes on for quite some time. How did Victor Hugo's epic go from being a radical cry against the bourgeoisie to being a keyring you can buy? This is Take a Left, a series on the intersection of politics and musical theater, and in episode 3 we're talking about Les Miserables, Justice, and Selling the Revolution. The French turned West End phenomenon Les Miserables by Claude Michel Schoenberg and about a dozen other people made its way to the Broadway stage at the height of Reagan's conservative America. Reaganism was imparting an understandably large effect on the culture, as 1983's A-Team displayed peak USAism, and 1984's Ghostbusters dunked on academia and celebrated small businesses. Musical theater, however, has always had a tendency to march to a different drum, and this was as true of the spectacular tourist traps of the 80s as it was with the esoteric high-minded hits of the 70s. With that in mind, perhaps it's not as surprising that a musical as radical as Les Miserables made it to Broadway during Reagan's second term, and not even that impossible that it succeeded on Broadway at a time as conservatively minded as 86. What is a bit surprising is Les Miserables' continued longevity and belovedness on Broadway, through all the different political shifts that America has taken since then. Les Miserables was even successful enough to make it onto film at a time when musicals were out of vogue in Hollywood. The 1980 musical, based on the 1862 novel by Victor Hugo, opens on a chorus of prisoners doing hard labor. We are then introduced to our hero, Jean Valjean, and our villain, Javert, simultaneously. means I'm free. No. It means you get your yellow ticket of leave. You are a thief. I stole a loaf of bread. You robbed a house. I broke a window pane. In its first few minutes, Les Miserables plants its stake firmly in the ground. The justice system is not about rehabilitation back into society. It is a death sentence, sometimes even literally. What the justice system actually believes is that once a thief, forever a thief. The entire central conflict between the two main characters is already contained within their first meeting. Valjean acknowledges his crime but believes the punishment severe enough to warrant further crimes. Javert sees a recurring criminal with no intention of ever abiding by the law. If we are wont to write Javert off as a singular bad actor, Les Miserables confronts us with a harsher truth. Valjean, now paroled, 
re-enters society full of hope and finds work. He is a strong and capable employee, but is let go after one day because... You broke the law! It's there for people to see! Why should you get the same as honest men like me? Valjean has served his sentence, but society will never forgive or forget his crime. The jailer always at your heels, it is the law. This piece of paper in my hand that makes me cast throughout the land, it is the law. This was true in 1862, and it remains so in 2019. Why else do job applications routinely ask us for our criminal records? If society believes that freed prisoners have served their debt to society, surely anyone's criminal record is irrelevant. Les Miserables takes the distinctly leftist approach of thinking of its characters through the lens of their place in society first and as individuals last. The stage adaptation furthers this idea through the musical composition technique of leitmotif, connecting various characters thematically not by character traits, but by their role in society. Listen as the policemen in the prologue and Javert in Act 1 share a musical theme, even though on a personal level they are barely relatable. Let us see if he's impressed. Let one speak who saw it all. Who laid hands on this good man here? Most centrally, Valjean and Javert represent the oppressed and the oppressor, each with their own internally consistent mindset. And so their conflict can never be settled between them as individuals because they are not really fighting each other as much as they are fighting society. Valjean battling for survival in an unfair world, Javert battling for purity in an unjust one. Much of Le Miserable is cyclical. Valjean's actions are criminal because he is a criminal, while Javert defends justice because it is just. Our laws, Les Miserables argues, force us to abandon our own humanity in order to think circularly. A criminal is a criminal, and a cop is a cop. But what of the unjust police officer, or the innocent prisoner? The justice system does not have a simple solution for this question in 2019 any more than it did in 1980 or 1862. Valjean's conflict is not with individuals, not ever. It's with the law itself. It is the law that makes him cursed. His actions and the actions of those around him are insignificant. What is the purpose of Valjean having to openly display his parole letter, if not to make it impossible for him to live as a free man? Just as he was forced to break the law for his own survival as a child of unfortunate circumstances, again he will be forced to break the law simply to stay alive. The cyclical nature of society is cyclical, says Les Miserables, and it is as true now as it was then. In today's America, those who leave prison under the age of 21 have a 71% chance of re-entering the penal system. Those who leave before the age of 35 have a 50% chance. Les Miserables wants us to question whether this is because these people are fundamentally, unchangeably criminal, the belief required to keep the justice system running, or if the very act of putting someone in prison condemns them to a life they may never be able to fully escape from. Before Valjean succumbs completely to despair, however, he is shown mercy and forgiveness by a bishop. It is important to note that the bishop is not truly presented as an individual either, but what he represents is not the state, but the church. Now Victor Hugo was no fan of the church, though religious he was explicitly anti-Catholic, but an important point is touched on here. The bishop is free to treat Valjean with kindness because being of the church and explicitly separate from the state, he is accountable to mercy and forgiveness, not justice. Even in attempting to help Valjean, the bishop must run afoul of the state by lying to officers of the law. The message Les Miserables is sending is clear. To act morally, we must shun justice, the law, and the state. Only then are we true to freely act according to our own conscience. Valjean's character arc follows thusly. 
He will break as many laws as he needs to, act as criminally as the situation requires, in order to live by his own moral standards. What does he do with his criminal acts? Help others. And what of Javert? When Javert is finally forced to reckon with Valjean's humanity, his entire world is turned upside down, and he cannot stomach the life he has lived hunting a good man. He commits his first good, unlawful deed. He shows Valjean mercy. And then, with his entire worldview crumbling around him, he commits suicide. It should be clear by now that Les Miserables is a radical story, and no less radical musical. This might seem obvious, it is after all the story of a radical youth-led failed revolution. But it should still be surprising that in 1986, at the height of Reagan's America, Broadway so joyfully accepted a musical that is in so many ways anti-American. Les Miserables questions authority, it questions law and order, it questions justice, it questions the police, it questions the state, and so forth. So why does a show like Les Miserables get away with what a show like Assassins could not? The principles Les Miserables uses to sell the revolution turn out to be relatively simple. One is that its content contrasts with its form. While it is an explicitly radical story with radical messaging, its form is overtly traditional, borrowing from French operas that were already passé by Victor Hugo's time more heavily than it does from its musical theater contemporaries. Another is that it leans much more heavily on pathos than it does logos. While Les Miserables, when analyzed, is dense and intellectually rigorous, its delivery is at times absolutely schmaltzy. Les Miserables delves deep into its love triangles and melodrama, often letting the audience forget about the much more central concerns. It even devotes quite a lot of its limited runtime to a wedding that occurs long after the central conflict of Aljean and Javert has already ended. This has the effect of letting the audience get lost in the story which lets the story impact its message in a deeper and more heartfelt manner than a simple polemical Brechtian exercise would do. Perhaps most successfully, Les Miserables sold out, or rather, pragmatically accepted the capitalist society it existed in more than the young revolutionaries it honors ever could have. The willingness to brand every piece of itself allowed the musical to plant its roots deep in the popular culture, unlike the intellectually consistent, but ultimately unsuccessful revolution it tells of. All this comes at a cost, however. While more blunt pieces like Assassins or Ragtime impart their messages clearly and loudly onto the audience, Les Miserables' politics have largely faded from the conversation surrounding it, instead making do with the devoted fan culture that loves Les Miserables for its music, its set, its costumes, its melodrama, essentially everything but its messaging. Still, it cannot be said that Les Miserables doesn't challenge us as an audience. As the show progresses, we are challenged to see ourselves, regardless of our individual status in society, as prisoners and slaves, no less than Valjean. We are challenged to understand Javert not as a villain, but as the logical outcome of us succumbing to our slavery. Just as Valjean's life of constant struggle and conflict is the logical outcome of what we can expect to encounter, should we choose to attempt to break free. Whether we rise to this challenge or not is on us, at the end of the day. But still, Les Miserables succeeds in making us empathize with the criminal over the police officer, which, for an American audience, is quite an achievement. It is also difficult to ignore the profound longevity of the show's final demand of the audience, 